Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to Comic Talk, the podcast. My name is Jesse Rivera, and you are about to listen to episode number 67 of Comic Talk, the podcast. Today, our guest is all the way from San Jose, Ms. Coral Best. I've known Coral for a couple of years now. I got to see her headline uh, an invisible disability show a couple years ago at Luna's Cafe, and she really inspired me uh, to talk about some of my deepest insecurities. And I wanted to thank her for that, and also just uh, let her know about that, you know, because uh, we all need to hear how we inspire others from time to time. So I wanted to talk to her about how she inspired me to. Uh, talk about some of my insecurities i also wanted to tell her how talk to her about how recently she's been inspiring me on another journey she's been on she's been on a fitness and a cleaner living journey uh one that i'm kind of trying to take on myself uh, these last several months and we talked about the ups and downs and the successes and the the pluses and the minuses and the the rewards that we're getting from uh well she's working out a lot i'm only like eating better and doing some uh, diet modifications. I haven't started working out, but she's been doing some killer workouts. Uh, she posts on Instagram all the time about the walks she's taking, and um, she shared some of that stuff with me, and we talked about a bunch of stuff, and I think you're going to enjoy the conversation because I really enjoyed the conversation, and she said she enjoyed the conversation, so if everyone's enjoying the conversation so far, then I'm pretty sure you're about to enjoy this next conversation with Coral Best, episode 67 of Comic Talk, the podcast. Thanks for tuning in, folks. I'll talk to you soon. Coral Best, how the hell are you? Whoops, there we go. Hi. Hello. <laughs> I'm great. Hey, I thanks cannot- for having me. I cannot even remember the last time I saw you uh, IRL in real life. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you great. Okay. Man, um, I've been watching, so definitely watch you do comedy at the Invisible Disability Show. And uh, we'll circle back to that because you were you were an inspiration to me. Uh, but we'll come back to that. But uh, lately, you, you're still being an inspiration to me because I am on a... Uh, 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 a better living journey, like a, a better lifestyle journey. And um, I love to cook, but I don't like to get, like with, with me cooking, like the, the, the less amount of ingredients, the better. But your cooking just is like amazing. And I love seeing how much care and, uh, and ingredients go into some of the stuff you cook. So, but, so, Maybe I'm jumping ahead too soon, but how are you? How long has this journey been going on for you about like this, this, uh, this uh, being active and, and cleaner eating? How long have you been doing that? Okay, so first of all, it all kind of started um, in January of 2020 when my workplace started a biggest loser competition for money. Ah. Uh, this is obviously before quarantine hit, so we didn't really know, but the, the point is that the person who loses the most percent of their body weight wins money and it costs money to be part of the competition. So I, it was a good amount of money. I thought this is a good chance for me to kind of like step up my fitness game 
and uh, I got third place. And the problem is that I've done this competition before in the past, and it didn't take me long to gain back all the weight that I lost. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's not if you work really hard to lose it. It's to maintain it is a whole nother ball game. Um, and this time around, I told myself, you know what? I'm not going to gain the weight back. I'm going to continue on with my healthy eating and my exercise, which is easier said than done. But uh, pretty much when quarantine started, when the competition ended, I started regularly exercising and cooking. And when it comes to cooking, I have to be completely honest. I don't use any recipes. So some things just don't turn out that well. But I love to just like try different things, just like throw some honey on there, some breadcrumbs. Um, so I love using exotic spices. Uh, and then you just see what you get. As long as it's healthy, you can eat, you can eat as much as you want of it, I tell myself, you know? Because three pieces of fish is better than one hamburger. Oh so. my gosh. I, I have to I, I tell myself I tell myself stuff like that all the time because like just like one trip to McDonald's will ruin a day, right? But you could you could kind of eat a little bit more healthier food. Yeah, definitely. I definitely feel you on that. What um, did you enjoy cooking before all of this, or or was cooking something you've always enjoyed? I have always enjoyed cooking, but I mean, everybody enjoys having food delivered to them. Like I'm a DoorDash addict. I just I mean, for an extra five dollars to have somebody deliver it to you, it's like so worth it to me. And when you get home from work, starting to cook can be a little bit tedious. So it's, it's fighting that urge of delayed gratification, of it, fighting instant gratification to delay gratification so that you can actually cook yourself something that you feel good about. I've always loved cooking, but it's really about the environment. Like I used to live with roommates and the kitchen was just not a very comfortable space. Mm. So like yeah. I cooked a lot less back then. Currently, um, I share an apartment with my family and it's a lot nicer because whatever I'm cooking is for everybody and whatever they're cooking is also for me. It's, it's so much more welcoming. So is, is everybody participating in like the clean eating, the, the healthier eating? Kind of. My parents are both part of the competition too. Okay. So we kind of did all go on like this like diet, if you will, or, or this health journey together. Uh, they've had a, a much harder time maintaining since the competition ended. But yeah, when I make healthy food, it's for everyone. Uh, however, like for instance, last night I made fish over mushrooms and my mom wasn't brought a bunch of ice cream for dessert. So we all ended up having a bunch of ice cream. It's kind of hard. Like it's a, you need everyone to participate in order for it to work. I told my mom, like, please, please, please don't buy ice cream or at least don't bring it near me. Uh -huh. I'll, just, I'll just go to town on a, on a, a pint of ice cream. I, ice cream is one of my weaknesses and, uh, I've been searching and searching and searching for like a low sugar uh, ice cream. And I finally found one at Trader Joe's. It's like a, a peanut butter chocolate. And okay. it, it, comes in a, it comes in a pint and there's three servings in a pint and each serving is 10 grams of sugar. So okay. it's not horrible. It's not horrible at all. And if I, can, if I can discipline myself to actually eat it over three servings and not just in one fell swoop, then I'm really happy about myself and lately yeah I've I've been I've been pretty good at at um at eating only a serving and then putting it back up. So um I'm pretty happy about that. I think I I think I've solved the ice cream problem for now. Oh, I haven't solved it, but I do know that when I serve myself in a bowl is a lot better than me eating out of the carton. Oh, really? 
Yeah, when I eat out of the carton, I have a really hard time stopping. I mean, I just see more ice cream and I think, especially when there's goodies in the ice cream and you start oh, digging for the yeah. chocolate bits, the cherries. That's what this one has right now. Like this one has like little slices of, of peanut butter. And like when you see one, it kind of, like you said, it like goes down into it. So then you start doing the whole treasure hunt for uh, to find that whole slice of peanut butter. Exactly. I'm, def I'm definitely doing that. Um, so when you when you lost the initial weight, were you... Were you working out and dieting or, or dieting and or what was what was the combination? I was actually dieting before I started working out because what I'm realizing, and I'm sure you've maybe heard this before, but the diet has a lot more to do with weight loss than than exercise. Absolutely. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I started I started my journey um uh December of twenty eighteen. And uh because like I was gonna do the gastric bypass surgery, but mm -hmm. I love food too much to ever just like quit it, you know? And when you do the yeah. gastric bypass, like, it's like, like that, that takes some discipline. And, and I knew I didn't have that discipline. Mm. And, um, I've since then, like I've, I've slowly lost weight, like just like a little bit. And I've had like these, these ebbs and flows, these peaks and valleys. Uh, but it, I've been, I've been keeping it off, uh, as of this morning, since, uh, Christmas of 2018, which is like roughly about a year and a half, right? I've lost like 76 pounds. But wow. Okay, yeah, great. I, I'm, I'm stoked about it. I'm so excited about it. And I haven't exercised any at all. Like, yeah. Like I've stayed active, like in the house. Like I like I get up more to take the dog out, but like I don't, I haven't, like I joined a gym, but I never went, I did that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's just been like, getting good sleep like making sure you get like seven to eight hours of sleep a night and i've cut out like um a, like bread like i i really like i weigh myself every morning and then like i and then i i think about the day before like if i like if i gained 0.2 or if i lost 0.3 or just like whatever it is like i i assess like what brought me here this morning and mm what always what always resulted in either an up or staying flat was bread like there's like no way i could eat bread like this just the, my body just keeps it it just it just doesn't let it go so uh bread has been like the one thing that i've definitely had to cut out um but i still and i like i do tons of beans i still do i do eggs every morning okay. um and i drink a gallon of water every day and I really think that that's, that that's a real, yeah. You said, you already put a big dent in that. You just filled it up. Yeah. I, I love water. Water makes you glow. Water helps everything flow better. Yeah. Take a drink right now. I'll take a drink with you. Where's my water? I have it here. What, cheers. <laughs> cheers. What, uh, what time? Go for it. And I'll ask you. What type of exercises did you start off doing and what, what are you doing now? Um, okay, so I'm pretty particular about my exercise. Like, I mean, I really have a hard time with like sit-ups, push-ups, and planks and stuff inside the house. I noticed that I love going outdoors. I love to move. So at first, I started by just jogging and a very little bit, like a quarter of a mile. Oh, wow. Uh -huh. Then I started jogging a half a mile. Then three quarters and then eventually I worked up to one mile and I just kept it at one mile. I would just every other day or every three days I would go and jog one mile, be super proud of myself. Um, 
And then I started incorporating doing stairs because when it's really late out, I can't go jogging. Like it's not safe for me to go jogging at 10 PM. Yeah. So I live in an apartment complex with five stories and I thought to myself like, it's why right don't I, yeah, why don't I just go up and down these stairs? Which is funny because I joke that never in my life have I ever even been at a staircase and thought I should come back here. You know, <laughs> like you just pass stairs. Usually when I see stairs, I'm like, what an inconvenience. Yeah. Um, right. When I see so, stairs, I'm like, where's the elevator? Yeah. 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 And we have elevators and it's funny because I exercise in the staircase a lot and like, I don't run into anyone. Like everyone at my apartment uses the elevator. Nobody uses the stairs. Uh, so I started doing stairs and that was really fun because I get to listen to music. I get to be indoors and it's five stories tall. So I do five stories and then I run back down and then I do five stories and then I run back down. And usually my exercise will be like 30, 30 stories. Oh, wow. Yeah. 30 to 50. If I'm feeling it, like if I'm really in the groove, uh-huh. And do you, do you like to exercise first thing in the morning or do you do it in the afternoon or whenever um, your schedule permits it? That's a tough one because for one week I was super motivated. I ran every day before work because my work wanted me to come in a little later. Mm -hmm. But I noticed that that was making me dread waking up. Oh, okay. I was like, I'd be rolling over in my bed like, oh, I have to get up and go running. I do not want to get up and go running. So I moved it back to the afternoon because in the afternoon – it's almost like I'm dying to exercise. Like after getting off work, I'm like, I really want to do something for myself. I know a lot of people feel tired after work. It's really about just getting yourself out there. So coming home, putting on my running shoes, putting on my fanny pack, getting myself out to the park. And that's the hardest part. The hardest part is getting yourself there. Then starts the workout. Uh-huh. Um, then you live in San Jose? Is that, is that where you're based? Yeah. I live in yeah. South San Jose, right across the street from a park, which is where I where I kind of worked up to a mile. I just running around my park. And uh, so is it, it's like, a, it's like inviting to, to, to go out to that park, right? Like you see, like you see maybe the same handful of people every day. And I, have you met any people out there on, on the same journey that you are? This, yes, I see a lot of people working out. I recognize them depending on the time of day I'm working out. We don't really talk, but we give each other that like, that like acknowledgement, like exactly. head nod. Like I see you running, I'm running. Or I, there's a girl that I'm really impressed with that does jump rope and uh, she there's like a bench at the park and she like she like goes up it and down it and up it and down it. She she works really hard and she runs, and it's wow. inspiring to be surrounded by people who are also taking care of their bodies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's 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 kind of it's the same thing. Like if you're like if you're at a bar and you're around a bunch of people drinking, you're gonna drink. If you're like hanging out with a bunch of people that are just being down and out, then you're gonna be down and out. But like if you're at a park and you're watching all these other people exercise and you're taking part in that too, then you're going to, it's going to, it's going to reflect on you. Right. Absolutely. And also a really important thing is sometimes I'm just not in the mood to work out. So what I'll do is I'll give myself like a, a, a minimal goal to meet, like go for a walk, you know, and whether that walk is a mile or two or three, the point is that I did something that day to, 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 to move my body. The worst is not doing anything at all. Like, even a walk with the dog, any something. I saw your My, dog earlier. Your dog was right behind you earlier when you first logged in. Yeah, she's still here. Is she? She's camera, she's camera shy? How long have you let's let, introduce us, please? This is my dog. Her name is Emmy. And she actually runs with me. I attach her to my hip with like with the with the leash. 
-huh. and he runs with me, which is really nice because it's become like a bonding activity for us. And does there's, so does she does she enjoy it? Yeah, I think she loves it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So during the, the this whole pandemic, you you didn't you didn't get out of work. You you've kept working the whole time. Yeah, I'm a caregiver for well, I'm a nanny, which is considered a form of caregiving okay. for a doctor. So the doctor has to go to work, which makes my job to watch the kid essential. Or right. I mean, a lot of jobs are essential and maybe not necessarily labeled as essential, but it's just one of those things where anybody that works in the medical profession, I think their caregivers are considered crucial for them to continue to work in, in hospitals and clinics. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's, that's great. Because like a lot of people like really got down mentally at the very beginning of this because like, especially like, like comics, because like we're such extroverts, right? And yeah. to all of a sudden, just be like, like we were out, like we'd go to work. Uh, uh, like I, I don't work in the food industry, but like a lot of comics work like in the food and service industry. So they're just constantly surrounded by people. And then they go from that atmosphere into like a comedy club. And then just like all of a sudden it got shut down. And, and I saw a lot of people like really struggling. Like I struggled with it. Like um, what, what was that like for you, the, the whole the whole lockdown. Did, did you struggle at all with that? Yeah, I really did. I think that's where I kind of like confided in exercise because exercise makes me feel like I've done accomplished something for the day and being with people and doing comedy made me feel like I accomplished something for the day. But for a good while there for, toward the beginning, I really felt like a piece of my identity had been taken away. Like going to open mics and going to comedy shows and seeing my friends and expressing how I feel is a form of therapy and it's a form of validation. And it's a oh. form of interpersonal communication. I mean, it just brought so much into my life. It made me realize how much of my life is comedy. Yeah, yeah. I, that, that you brought something up interesting. Like, yeah, it is a form of validation, right? Like, because like we get the we get the we get the reaction from it, either good or bad, right? Like we're we're being acknowledged, and and it, it and to to have that taken away, just boom, like not even gradually, not even like okay, this is going to end next month, like start looking for something to do. But it just like, I think like I did a show on the, I did a show on Thursday. I did a show on a Thursday and then I had another show coming up on Sunday and then that show got canceled and then that was it. And then we were both going to be on the Invisible Disability show on March the 17th, right? Yeah. At the San Francisco Punchline, who could forget, of course. Yeah. And, uh, and I was so looking, I was, one, I was looking forward to doing San Francisco Punchline. Like that's just epic, iconic. Like I was like, yeah. I'm, I was like, I'm not worthy of this. Like I was just like so excited. I was excited to be on the show with you, you know. And uh, yeah, and the, the the lineup was killer. A bunch of great Bay Area comics, right? It and, was a really amazing lineup, and it was obviously San Francisco Punchline is a is an iconic venue, like you said. And then uh, uh, it had just it had just uh, gotten over the whole, are they going to close it? Are they going to keep it? Like that had just barely been put in the past, you know? Um, I think that quarantine went into effect like two days before our show. Yeah, yeah. It was like that. I remember uh, poor Allie was just like distraught and like not knowing what to do before the city shut it. I'm, I'm, I don't know if it was the city or the state shut it down, but like she was like, she really wanted to do the the, the right thing. And and uh and it, it was it was a really tough time for everybody and i'm glad that i'm i mean i'm sad that we did it but i'm glad 
that that we did stop it because who knows what would have happened and you know we're here today to have this conversation and that's that's really what's important like it we'll we'll move on from this you know um when i first started uh, now now i'm going to get back to how you kind of inspired me okay, okay, okay. So i'm going to circle back to that now okay so when I when I first started doing comedy, because like I've only been doing comedy for about uh, uh, about eighteen months, I started like uh, September will be two years, so a little bit longer. Um, September will be two years. When I first started doing comedy, I didn't want to talk about like I didn't want to talk about myself. Like I wanted to be like a perspective comic and like okay. tell stories, but like I didn't want to address all of this, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't, I just was, I was embarrassed about it and, and I was timid about it and I, and I didn't want to talk about it. And I, and I thought to myself, if you're really funny, Jesse, if you're really funny, you can find a way to be funny and not have to talk about yourself. Right. Sure. And then, um, I was chugging along at it. It wasn't, it wasn't great. It was, it was, that was so, so, but then I remembered like your set from invisible disabilities and like, how open you are about like the reason that that you were on stage at invisible disabilities and how freely you talked about it and how you address it and how you owned it you know and how and how you turned it and i was like you know if she's brave enough to talk about this like i could talk about i could talk about it you know and it, and it, it really helped me and um i just want to thank you for that you know of course that's really that means a lot to me because that that was actually the one that you saw me at. That was my first time ever headlining. Okay. And it was a really exciting opportunity. I lived three hours away from the venue. I came out just to headline. And I just thought to myself, put it all out there. Um, just in case anybody who's watching this doesn't know what my invisible disability is, I have an ostomy bag, which is uh, essentially a poop bag that goes underneath your shirt because instead of going to the bathroom out of your butt, you go out of a tiny hole in your stomach. And uh, that's not an easy thing to talk about, but I find that when I'm on stage, I, I feel like it's my responsibility and it's my platform to speak about it and to own it. And it's, it's, I, I make it look easier than it is, I do. I think that sometimes I look at old videos of myself and I'm like, wow, like who is she? Because it's so different off stage to talk about it. I am still shy. And it is something that I struggle with every day to accept about myself that I had to go through this surgery that made me part of the disability community. But now that I am part of the disability community, how can I make it so that other people feel better about themselves and their situations? Uh -huh. So thank you for saying that because that particular show meant so much to me. I was a little under the weather before getting um, up on stage and I just, you guys were such a great audience that it really helped me come to life. And a lot of times it is about the audience. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. that, that is such a great venue for that, for that, uh, type of humor. Like it's, it's, uh, Luna's cafe, Luna's cafe in, uh, in downtown Sacramento, uh, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, but, um, it's, it's tiny and it's, it's, I, I like a comedy club more than like uh an auditorium right like i love I, I love tables and i love that there's you know uh, there's a, a waiter and waitress kind of weaving in and out of the crowd 
and that they're having to whisper and that you don't, I, I enjoy the challenge of not having everyone's full attention at the same time because you can kind of see how if they have to talk to the waiter, how they want to get it over with as quick as possible and then how quickly you get their attention back, you know, or if they like talk to the waiter and then start sifting through their, their purse or like flip through their phone, you know, you know, you kind of don't have them, but like yeah. if they do the thing where they're like, and you see them do that, you're like, okay, this is, this is going good. Yeah. Not, not that you're ever cognizant to pick all of that up, but like when you're watching other people's sets, right? Like you're watching, like, you're like, okay, this, this is a good crowd. This is a hot crowd. And, yep. and I, I just got to keep this going, you know? And it was a really hot crowd. And you know, I'm, I'm actually reading a book called Mastering Stand-Up right now. Ooh. And one of the things they say is a, a, a true audience, if you're doing a really good job, stops feeling whatever they're feeling and starts feeling what you're feeling. And that's kind of where the full consumption comes from. They're with you on this journey. They're not thinking about the fact that they have a deadline at work. They're thinking about whatever is coming out of your mouth, the scenarios that you were put in, your emotions. Um, and I think that's kind of my goal is that I'm trying to bring people along for the ride because huh, my life has been a, a ride, a ride to, to put it. You're super, you're super young too. Like you're, you're, you're not 30. Are you? You're not. I'm about to turn 30 in two months. Yeah. You're super young. And to say that your life has been such a journey, like that's, that's kind of exciting and it's kind of like overwhelming, but like, um, me, like it makes me excited. Like, like, like a dad or like an uncle to see that, like you're, you've done this much in this small window of time, but you've got nothing but time ahead of you. Like, I'm excited just to see what what else you're what else you're gonna do, you know. I'm excited too. I actually just got the opportunity to work with uh, uh, our local Jewish community center, which is a nonprofit. Uh -huh. uh, they asked me to put together an all Jewish comedian show on Zoom. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They wrote me an email. It was super professional too. They were like, "What's your budget? How are you gonna, you know, disperse it? Uh, you know, how long are you gonna?" do it for it. So things are, things are moving along one thing at a time. I will say just as a heads up for any comedians who might be watching this, I way asked for way too little money. I could tell by their response when they like laughed and they were like, well, that's a generous offer. And now I have like no money to offer the comedians I want to hire. So know your worth and ask for what you think you're worth. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Um, I'm refilling my coffee here. Are you a coffee drinker? I am a coffee drinker. I'm totally going to have coffee right after this. Oh man. I dude. I, you know what I, the, the, my, the best thing about, uh, when all of this happened and, and I got sent home to work, I've been working from home this whole time is that now I rediscovered my French press and oh, oh my gosh, dude, like, grinding fresh coffee beans every morning and waiting to get a good cup of coffee is like I have a I broke up with my Keurig so quick <laughs> I don't even have that I have like instant coffee I'm kind of a new coffee drinker I only really started getting into it like two months ago oh man let me tell you Carl the, treat yourself to like I, I I was super intimidated because like I'm not a big gadgets guy I'm not I'm not super techie like I can but I work in IT and I can read instructions like that's that's how I've made it this far you know okay. 
that's everyone everyone always said like a french press is like the best kind the best cup of coffee best cup of coffee and and i bought one a couple of years ago and like i followed the instructions and i was like damn this is super good i I, i'm a believer now um let's get back to your uh zoom show because i wanted to talk about zoom and how um so aren't you excited that like with this zoom show that you're going to get to do yeah. you're not limited to a three-hour drive right like you could reach out to comics like in new york utah like all over the all over the united states all over the world right i technically could but to be honest like i asked i'm just going to be totally candid i asked for a hundred dollars total uh-huh and that's just not enough money to usually get comedians from from chicago and from new york to do your show okay um, especially when they find out that we're doing it for a local JCC, like you would think that's a, that's a corporate that's, you would think that that's where the money's at, but uh -huh. I kind of wanted it to pad to kind of just get experience like an internship, if you will. Yes. Yes, definitely. But yeah, you do have the option with zoom to have people from all over. Like I've been doing, um, an open mic every Monday. Woodham's open mic. Have you heard of Woodham's in Santa Clara? Yeah, Pete Munoz. Yes. Pete Munoz is open mic. That's right. Yes. And what's cool is that he'll actually have the East Coasters go up kind of first and then have the West Coasters go up second. Like, we're all mingling with each other. Shows are from all over the nation now. They can even be international. Zoom makes it possible. Um, yeah, yeah. I've talked to a couple of comics here in Sacramento that have done, like, shows, like, in, in England and, like, you know, like, all over the world, like you said. And it, it's so crazy. Did, did you hesitate at first to jump into the whole zoom platform or were or were, did you were you an were you an early adapter to that um i got asked to headline a show pretty early on um and i really didn't know what to do but what i noticed is that a lot of the comedians were doing screen share where they set up like a powerpoint to go along with their presentation like a comedic powerpoint and i was like hmm i don't know if i'm gonna go as far as to make a powerpoint but maybe i'll have a couple of images i can throw up i uh it's it's like our it's like the same art form that we do but with a twist. So now we can actually incorporate more props and we can incorporate personal pictures and we can uh, we can make a visual reference and things like that. I'm not really huge on it, but just to see what some people came up with over Zoom, I was super impressed. I was like, oh, this is not better not better than live comedy, but it's different yeah and it's it's flexing the muscle right like because the the whole yeah. the whole just being creative and and uh being like thinking on the spot right um well like for example like with my podcast um when i've, I've been doing this podcast for i think about a year now but once when um when the quarantine started i like because like i would invite people to my home yeah my, pod, my podcast equipment was set up in the living room and I would just make a whole, I would make a whole morning out of it. And I'd be like, or we, uh, sometimes we would do it like after an open mic or after a show, like we kind of like have like a little after party in my living room and sure. I'd invite like three or four comics over and I'd interview one of them. And then two or three of them would be in the, in the living room, kind of like laughing and throwing stuff in here and there. Uh, but then, uh, like I'm too old to stay up late. <laughs> so, so then it started turning into come over and have coffee with me and, and we, and, I would invite folks over and I'd have the whole spread and I'd make fresh coffee and, and we'd have coffee. And, and, but when, when the quarantine happened, I just shut it down. And uh, that kind of depressed me too. It was like, 
coming home from work and seeing my podcast equipment and just like not knowing who was going to be the next guest or when. So then I got tired of looking at it because it was really depressing me. So I took it all down. But then like, I just really missed having these conversations with people. Um, yeah. So I, I saw that a bunch of uh, some of my friends were still going with their podcast, but they had taken it to zoom. And I had, I'd gotten comfortable enough with zoom through work to like, know like how to turn it on and like how to troubleshoot it. And then um, I think this is like my sixth or seventh zoom podcast that I've done. Okay. Yeah. And, and awesome. so like, like, for example, like with you, like I'd, I'd wanted to sit and talk with you forever, but like you're in San Jose. And yeah. so like, I would just like, I would constantly, not constantly, but like, I would just like every once in a while, I would check your schedule and see if you were going to be like, you know, I would check your Instagram to see if you're doing a show in Sacramento. And I was, I was waiting to see when, you know, and that was like the same, like that was like the same way with like Ivy Cordova. Like I'd been wanting to talk to Ivy Cordova forever, but like, you know, just like whenever the schedule would permit, you know, um, but now we can do it this way. Like we don't even have to leave our house and we're finally getting to have this conversation that I've been wanting to have for a long time. And I'm super excited to, again, have you here. What, what do you think the, what do you think the future holds for comedy once this is over? Do you think, do you think it's going to be like a, like a, like January 1st and everyone joins the gym? Do you think like when quarantine's over, you think there's like a handful of people at home right now saying, when this is all over, I'm going to try comedy for the first time. Cause like, I don't know if I'm going to get another chance. What do you think it's going to be like when, when we get released? I'm sure that there will be a lot of people going straight to an open mic to try their stuff because it took me like five years of telling myself I wanted to try an open mic before I went to one. Really? Yes. It took me a really long time. I was on a cruise when I was like 21 and there's a comedian there who said, Hey, we're doing an amateurs night tonight. If anybody wants to try comedy and I wrote a set out and everything. And then I made the mistake of, tr of running it by my parents and my parents didn't get my jokes and they didn't laugh. And they were like, honey, you're just not funny oh no yeah yeah and so I was like okay maybe you're right and I gave up on that and then it wasn't until my getting my ostomy bag and having my health crisis that I realized like I'm gonna try going to an open mic if it's the last thing I do uh-huh so I waited a long time several five or six years before I decided to actually go and put myself up on stage and see what happens and guess what my first my first set went great not everybody's first set goes so well but I had just been so pent up about the things I wanted to say. I, that's what I love about comedy. I'm just an open book. Mm -hmm. And maybe not everything I say is funny, but everything I say is true. Uh, the truth will set you free, my friend. Yes, uh, indeed. Yeah, the, the, what you said right now about like, uh, not everybody's first set goes great. But like, you know, um, I, I, I really think uh, there's a local guy, Ed Mena. Eduardo Mina, Ed Mena, not sure if you know him. Very familiar. Yeah, yeah, he does He does shows, like, he's, he's a hustler. He's always grinding. But he hosts, um, he's one of the alternating hosts for the Sacramento Comedy Spots open okay. mic, right? So I was taking Stand Up 101, and I had done, like, the set in front of my classmates. Like, I think I had done it two weeks in a row, where, like, the first week, like, uh, Robert Barry was the teacher. So like the, the first week you just talk about comedy. And then the second week, he's like, come back next week and have a minute ready to go. And so I came back the next week and I did a minute in front of like my 
seven or eight classmates mm -hmm. and the instructor, Robert Berry, very safe environment, right? Right. And then I came back the third week and uh, Robert Berry said, try to have two minutes ready to go. And I had two minutes. And then the third week was going to be five minutes. And then the fourth week was like the graduation at the comedy spot open mic. Uh, the third week I, I had five minutes, but I said, I'm going to go try it at the open mic. Like class was on a Monday night and the open mic was on Sunday nights. And I was like, um, I've always been a teacher's pet. <laughs> I've, I've always thought, right. I've always wanted to be like, teacher, guess what I did. Right. And I really wanted to go to class and be like, guys, I did the open mic yesterday, you know? So, um, I went to the open mic and I had my five minutes ready to go. And, uh, uh Ed of course didn't recognize me. Cause like I was new and he's like, Hey, what's your name? What's going on? You know? And I was, he's like, are you new? And I was like, I'm new. And he's like, where do you want to go? Like, like he was super cool. He was like, do you want to go like early and get it over with? Do you want to go late? And like, you know, but I was like, if I go late, I'm going to talk myself out of it. Right. Okay. I said, why don't you put me like second or third? And he's like, all right, that's cool. And then, uh, and then I said, then, then this is the kind of, this is the one thing I kind of wish I hadn't have done, but I was still so scared. I said, and can you let them know it's my first time? Like, oh okay you know? and, he's like, yeah. and he's like sure man that's cool so I went out there I did my first five minutes my knees were shaking like mm. shaking like I really thought like like my knees must look like this right now like I, I didn't want to look down uh with my big belly not that I could even see my knees so I was super scared and when I walked off the stage at, like when I when I when I handed the mic back to Ed he gave me this look like hey like all right and yeah. then and then uh when i was when i was going around the corner i could hear him i heard him say and i still have a record like i have the audio on my phone i heard him say that was his first time folks sometimes the first time sucks sometimes the first time is like jesse rivera so give it up for him and i was like and i tell him all the time i'm like man ed i know you didn't mean it but if you'd have said boy that was horrible i might not have ever done it again yeah you know? But because he said that was all right, like I was like, okay, I guess I should come back and try it again. You yeah, know? I'm glad and, it was encouraging. I, I'm so glad it was encouraging. I, uh, I kind of had a similar experience. I brought a lot of friends to my first open mic. So they were like totally just egging me on and laughing and clapping. And it was such a rush that I knew that I was going to come back. I actually was just, I never really planned on getting into comedy like, like seriously it's just that I started doing open mics regularly and then I started getting gigs which was super exciting um and then I started putting together my own shows and now I'm like thinking that I'm not gonna go back to school you know I was uh halfway done with nursing okay before I got sick and before I started comedy and then once I discovered comedy like I'm still not sure exactly what I want to do but I know that it's my career so then where are you like in comedy are you like in your third year going on your fourth yeah that's exactly yeah. right. Wow. So it's been a pretty good run for you, huh? It has. And, you know, I'm really lucky, too, because I'm really scared of rejection. So I haven't done that much, like, applying to, to gigs. I really wait for whatever kind of finds me. So, mm -hmm. like, for instance, that headlining gig for Invisible Disabilities, they contacted me. They said, we were recommended you. We heard about you. Would you like to headline this show? And I'm like, what an amazing opportunity for me to do my first headlining gig. And then... Obviously, when they asked if I would do the San Francisco punchline, 
I just burst into tears. I just, I, it was such an exciting offer. I just started crying. I just, I cried um, because I haven't really, I haven't really like dove in full force, but whatever finds its way to me, I'm, I'm very humbled and I take it and I run with it. Like this all Jewish comedy show for the Jewish community center. I'm going to be honest. I'm a little in over my head with such a limited budget. Um, they also told me yesterday that the tickets in order to see the show are going to be $50, a zoom show. Wow. That's a lot of money for people to be paying, but since it's a fundraiser, it makes sense. But now I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm putting together a show where people are paying 50 bucks to see it. I better have a killer lineup, you know? I better be an excellent host. I better really put in the work and do my homework. And a lot of times, I think most people will tell you this, like every time you get a new opportunity, you get nervous all over again. You're like, oh wait, I'm a comedian. I've done this before. I can do this. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you almost get that feeling that you've never done it before, right? Yep. Because it's a because it's a new experience or it's it's something different. Um, That's right. How much did did uh did hosting your own open mic help you develop? Oh, so much. Hosting my own open mic is what led me to hosting my own showcases. It was uh, it was genius because there's nobody there to give you the light. You can do like 20 minutes at the top if you have 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get to know everybody and you're in charge. And, uh, it was really, it was really my element. I'm kind of a little bit of a bossy girl. Oh, no, that's, that's awesome. You're not bossy. You're assertive, right? Um, I am assertive. Um, I am. I, I've only been able to host uh, a couple of times like here and there. Um, what I really, what, what I love most about what the opportunity that I love most about hosting is that you can think of something and instantly try it out. Oh my gosh! And and yes, yes, you can. And um and then also um you could just like uh, picking up like being able to to tell a joke about or like to carry on a joke from the previous comic like doing a callback. Mom, yes. What is that called when you call yes. back to something? Yes, like being able to call back to the previous comic, and that that's been something that like I've like kind of like. Uh, tried to work on myself is like every time I'm whether I'm doing an open mic or whether I'm doing a set is that like I w I have like 30 seconds to a minute reserved in the top of my head to do a callback to the previous comic. Yep. To make sure that one I'm paying attention and, I, and I'm studying the crowd, you know. So uh, I I know that like a, a lot of time when I first started doing open mics. Like I would just be outside hanging out with the comics and like, and then I would go up there and like, I was like, nobody told me this crowd was hot or like, nobody told me this crowd was cold. And like, I was like, that's like my own bad. Like I should be in here studying this thing and like know that like the comic before me did five minutes of crowd work. So now this crowd is like thirsty and just wants to be engaged or like, yeah. yep. like so um, I don't know. Hosting is, is a really great, uh, way to, to to flex your muscle and learn some new tricks, right? I definitely agree. It's a great way for you to practice your crowd work, and it's a great way for you to uh, relate your jokes to the previous comedian. And I think this is what we kind of don't realize. We're putting together a show, and if there's five comedians, that's five different talents. What's the thing that ties us all together? And it's the host. It's usually the host. The host mm -hmm. is the one that's like, give it up one more time for Jesse. 
you know, and then makes a joke about what uh, the set that you just did, maybe throws in a joke of their own. I like to kind of do not material in between comedians, but definitely like you want to get a laugh in between comedians. It kind of just rolls them over to the next performer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're that bridge, right? Like you got to keep right. it. You got to keep it going. Like you can't, you, you, cause like they're here, like you can't let it go all the way down here between comics, right? Like you got to keep it like right here, and then the, so that it's easier for them to to step right back into it. Yeah, totally, totally agree. And if a comedian like really brings down the audience, then it's really the host's job to bring them back up. Definitely, um, I've even heard that. Um, I've even heard hosts say that um, if a if a comic just really kills, like to bring the audience back down, so that like. The, so that it's fair for the next comic to like walk into like a little bit of a more calm down room, not just like a room that's just like, ah, you know, like, um, okay. so, so it's, it's kind of, it's kind of both, you know, that you gotta, you gotta be ready to handle that crowd and, and, and hand it off to the next comic. Right. And just riffing too. Like the, the crowd usually does want to be engaged, especially at an open mic where some of the jokes are hitting, some of the jokes are missing. Um, I love to ask audience members questions. You have to be aware though, when you ask an audience member a question that it's not going to have a lengthy answer. It's got to be a yes or no, or it's got to be something, you know, otherwise then the audience member starts running the show. Yeah. You really need to make sure to maintain control. That's I, a big part of being a host is maintaining control. I've had that happen to me, like on a set where like I've tried proud, like, I'm not a strong crowd worker and I'm not a strong riffer, right? But like, I like made the mistake of like asking the audience member a question and they start off with, okay, so when we were getting ready to come over here, I'm like, oh shit. Yeah, no. And you know what? Pulling away the microphone and going, I didn't need all that information is fine. <laughs> you know, I mean, sometimes we have to be a little harsh. Remember, whatever you, whatever you need to do in order to keep the show rolling, because uh -huh you can lose people pretty quick. You know, that's what I noticed by running an open mic, especially because my open mic was like three and a half hours sometimes. Oh, wow. It was the longest mic. I just wanted everybody to go up, you know, the, the venue owners sometimes would get kind of mad because it would go so late and nobody would be buying drinks after like midnight. Uh -huh. Um, but like it, I would, I would lose some of the audience. Some people would come in, some people would leave. I'd have a comedian that was a complete amateur, maybe like, walk some people but the point is that if the host is super excited and is able to get them back on board in between comedians then you've got yourself an open mic that people will come back for in my opinion yeah your open mic was like on a sunday night monday night it was like a beginning monday of the night open mic yeah 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 are you gonna are you hoping to be able to pick that back up once everything calms down yeah i don't know how exactly all that's gonna work though i don't think we're gonna be able to have gatherings larger than like 30 I think they're going to have to be outdoors. I think we're going to have to have like those mic condoms that people are using now. Yeah. That the microphones. Um, but of course I would love to pick that back up. I miss comedy like crazy. Um, that's kind of what led me to starting to do my shows on Instagram. I don't know if you saw anything about saw, that. I saw a bunch of them. Yeah. I saw, yeah. I, saw, I saw a handful of them. You were doing them like every afternoon at a certain, like at 430 I changed it to 530 because I, I was doing them out of my car and I was like, what am I doing? I should just get home from work and then record. So I started doing them at 530 and uh, it was a show just like any podcast. I would just interview comedians for 
about 30 minutes about what their lives are like during quarantine. But the major thing about it is that it was a project that I did for 30 days in a row. So I did 30 episodes in 30 days, which was great practice for me to be an interviewer. So. Yeah, it's tough, huh? It is. It, it is. is. I, I commend anybody who runs a podcast and, uh, you know, you're kind of like the host right now. You're helping move the conversation along. You're keeping it upbeat. It's very similar to hosting in, a, in another situation. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, the, this whole podcast has been a learning process for me. Like, just from the very beginning to like, like, I just like Google, like, how do you start a podcast? And then I just started buying like microphones and equipment and, and, uh, and trying not to buy like the most expensive things. Like I don't have a lot of money, but I also didn't want to buy like anything cheap either because like you get what you pay for in the long run, you know? Um, so it's, right. th this whole thing has been a learning experience and, and I'm, I'm super excited about it. And, and I am so grateful for like, the, the people that I've met along the way, you know, uh, uh, really starting, let's, we're, I'm gonna go back to like uh, Invisible Disabilities and Ali Yeda and, and, and I always make this mistake, man. I wanna say Ali Yeda, Drew Kimsey, and Amber Whitford, the whole Invisible Disabilities team. Yeah. They, they just really embraced me with open arms and like, you know, um, uh, and and gave, when in the in the beginning when I wasn't sure that I wanted to to talk about my weight and the struggles and my past addictions, like invisible disabilities gave me a platform for it. And it's like one thing to like, like it's like one thing to 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 go and talk about this, but it it makes it so much easier when I knew that those three friendly faces were going to be there encouraging me, you know. Uh, ready it to, does make it so much easier to feel supported by the producers, sure. Yeah, ready to catch me if, if I fall or when I fall, you know, because it's not, yeah. like with comedy, it's not if, it's when, you know. Uh, we, we've talked about, like, so many great experiences, but, man, there's been horrible nights, too, right? Like, there's been so many, sure. like, long drive homes where you're just like, fuck, I should have said this or I shouldn't have said yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to get my, I'm trying to show you my dog. She's being camera shy. Come here, baby. Come here. Doggy. Okay, here she comes. There she is. Oh my God! Hello. Look, say hi. She's like, where, where, right there. Ah. Uh, this is my little baby. She keeps me happy. Ah. Uh, this is my little chun chun. Oh, now she's being like, now she's okay. Okay, stop. I'm excited. Yeah, now she's like, first she was being shy. Um. She sit like this is my office chair. This is where I work, and she'll she'll just sit right here, and she'll, and especially in the mornings when I when it's still she's still being lazy, she'll just. Oh my gosh, she's so cute. Gosh, I love her. She's great, and uh, my roommate Emily Peterson. She also has a dog, so we're we're a two dog household, and uh, we I I love having two dogs, and I love having a roommate, and it's really been something. It's been another thing that has really helped my my peace of mind here in these last couple of months is, is having a roommate and not being alone, man. Um, yeah, and, a, and a roommate that's a comedian at that. Yeah, yeah. So we'll sit and um, we have yet to disagree on something to watch. Like, um, she likes horror movies a little bit more than I do. Um, like, she can probably watch a horror movie any night of the week. And, like, with me, I'm like... Mm, it's too early. I need an hour after a horror movie to watch something funny. But I, I do yeah. love horror suspenseful. But uh, 
she seems to be able to do it a little bit more freely than me. Uh, but we we always agree on uh, on comedy specials. Um, but man, Coral, I, I think we're we're getting we're getting close to wrapping it up here. When when is your show going to happen? Do you have a date yet for that show? Is it on your Instagram yet? No, no, no. I haven't made a poster. I literally just got the offer two days ago. Um, I actually, why don't I promote this? On the 28th, uh, the, the Jewish show will be on October 17th. And that oh, okay. is- Okay, we got a ways for that. Yeah, that we've got a ways. I still haven't even hired the talent. So I've, okay, got, okay. I've got to think about that. But uh, the 28th, this, uh, I think that's a Saturday. Is, that a, is it a Friday? The 28th is coming up. I think it's a Friday. I'm doing I'm doing the Santa Cruz Drive-In Show. Have you heard of that one? I've heard of drive-in shows, but I have not heard of the Santa Cruz Drive-In Show. Is there a flyer for it yet on Instagram or anything? Um, I'll add it to it. No, yet. Okay. So tell but us about it. Tell us about it. Pretty much, um, it's on the... It's on. The, it's at the top of a parking structure on Church Street. That's literally all it says on the poster is uh, the top of the parking garage on Church Street in Santa Cruz. Uh, everybody comes and uh, parks their car in the parking lot. We have like this makeshift stage. We have a microphone and people flash their lights at you when they think that you're being funny and everybody stays in their cars. That's awesome. I did see a um, uh, Sacramento guy who moved to LA, uh, Stephen Fury is is on the road right now with uh, Burt Kreischer. Oh, okay, good for and him. And Burt Kreischer is doing a drive-in, like he's doing like drive-in theaters. Yes, he's doing huge things. He's calling it the Summer Nights Tour. Yeah, yeah, and he 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 put a clip up the other night of the encore and just like all the headlights were flashing and the horns and it was it was beautiful. It was beautiful and and uh, yeah. I think it's going to be a great time and I'll, I'll definitely I'll, I will put it in the show info, um, I'll put this up on YouTube and, and the, and the podcasting stream places. And, uh, I'll, I'll put some information up for you. Thank you. Uh, um, just a heads up though. It is a family friendly show. It's the first one that I've done since quarantine started. So I'm doing my clean material, which is hard for me because I'm not a clean comic. Yeah. The, not clean uh, comic. I, I asked, I, I was going to do a set in my hometown Bakersfield and like right before i went on stage like the manager came up and he's like hey there's still a bunch of kids here do you think you can go clean and i was like and then like he just saw like this expression on my face and he's like all right well then how about you let the band do a set first and then we'll do put you on later but yeah it's so you have a clean set you're ready to go i'm working honestly it's like a series of clean jokes that i'm not quite sure how to weave together yet but yeah, I've got material. I've got stories. I'm a storyteller, so I've got like three stories I could do. Uh huh. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Well, I wish you luck with that. I wish you luck in, in everything that you do. Um, but uh, you're the kind of person that just like kind of does it and, and gets through it. And uh, luck, if you have the luck, you have it. If not, you, you do it anyway. Uh, that's what I really admire about you. And uh, thank you. Thanks for coming on this morning and, and having this conversation. And, and we have to thank quarantine because this is what made it happen. You know, like, like I said, I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time, but um, I'm glad we were able to catch up today. I'm super grateful. And I loved being on your podcast. And uh, thank you for, for doing a podcast like this because it gives us an opportunity to chat with you as well. So it's a uh, mutual. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot, Coral. And uh, I'll see you soon. Okay. See you. Have a great Saturday. Okay. You too. Enjoy. Bye. Bye.